Steve, happy Monday, man. Yeah, happy Monday. Hope you had a good Easter. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It's, uh, I don't know, my, my head's just looking forward, dude. We're taking off on the death hike this week. <laughs> it is around the corner, that's for sure, or here, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically here. So, yeah, before we, uh, before we get into anything, just to mention next week, we will not have a Monday Minute. Um, we'll be hopefully out of the Frank Church Wilderness <laughs> by Monday, uh, but maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. So, um, it's, it's a yeah, 50-50 yeah. shot, I think. <laughs> right. So no Monday Minute. That doesn't mean we died or anything, though. Uh, we won't have one either way, but we'll definitely talk more about the death hike after the event, obviously. Um but yeah, man, how you feeling? Where your head's at? Any, yeah, any kind of last minute thoughts? We were just literally before we were recording, we were both pulling up weather and looking at stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, the, as we've always said for this hike, you know, among our group and stuff, it's all going to hinge on the snow conditions. Um, we went and did like a test run a couple weeks ago and it was like most ideal snow conditions ever. Like you're just sinking two, three inches. Everything was kind of like hard packed, but also wasn't icy. And it was like, it'd be totally doable, very tough, but doable. And then we had a couple guys go out this weekend, just last, kind of last weekend training hikes. And they all texted me like, we're effed if the snow conditions are like this, <laughs> where it's just soft and mushy and you're slipping and sliding and sinking, you know, down to your knee on every freaking step. So we'll see. And it's going to be fun. Uh, snow conditions. And then how does your group, your team work together? Because this isn't like, the, the hundred mile hikes we've had in the past where it's like, all right, here's the route guys. Um, we'll see you at camp tonight, basically. Right. Like you just, you know, typically you find a guy or two that you end up hiking a lot with that are kind of hiking at a similar pace to you. And you just get to camp when you get to camp. You can't do that in this scenario. Like if you're feeling good and hiking faster than the rest, um, there's, there's no predetermined points. You're, you're basically ditching your group. And if they need you, you're not there. So it's, it's more of like, we got to stay in a tight little, group as we're hiking and moving through this and you know it reminds me of like the the first frank church hike we did it was the second one um second death hike uh you know there's times when like i took a the pack off of a guy and strapped it to my pack because we were going up a climb and and he was just sick and done you know so it was like we did a bunch of that on that hike we're just guys were sharing food and sharing socks and um you know just a lot of examples of working as a team to get out of there and we're definitely going to like that's what's going to be cool about this hike is you're going to be forced to and, and have to do it. Uh, so yeah, that teamwork aspect of it. And then what the snow conditions are, you know, it's, it's truly like, I'm, I'm 80% confident we'll be able to finish the route, uh, whether it's finished on Sunday or we end up having to stay another night and get out on Monday. Uh, but there's a good 20% chance we just get there and it's like, this is not doable. Uh, we'll know Friday night, Saturday morning, what that's looking like and if, if that's the case you just we'll just turn around and head back to the strip and get picked up with our uh, tails between our legs so <laughs> call for help <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was uh that was one of the emails that came out last week of okay here's here's the number to aviation like if we have to schedule a flight to essentially get picked up make sure everybody has all that information it's it, this has been one of the funnest things for me is just all the different little pieces of logistics gear changes it's like just figuring out new stuff is always fun and exciting like down to 
shelter choice and oh gosh what are snow conditions going to be and where are we going to be and will stakes hold and if stakes don't hold what are some alternate you know ideas for that and what stakes should i bring or should i just skip it all together and go bivy i mean there's been so many like little little decisions going through my mind yeah and that's what's the exciting thing about doing this is new right like it's i've not done a a, you know 40 miles of winter snowshoe hike uh it's a new experience so learn some stuff and then you know ultimately the goal would be to you know be able to apply some of the things that we're learning into making us better hunters in you know september october Mm -hmm. you put together basically uh, a gear mule and i think it might be you and i each for a group uh to carry some extra gear yeah uh, for safety um that not everyone's gonna have but just that each group should have uh and we'll dive more into gear later and talk after the fact about what worked and what didn't and all that but what are you what are we putting in those gear bags um yeah i mean shovel um the you know avalanche is basically non-existent um you know not that it couldn't happen but even if it did it wouldn't be the unless a major storm came this week but it wouldn't be like it'd be like a little 50 foot slide you know um but a shovel just for digging out just in case uh, I, I could definitely see a scenario of like coming up to a cornice and just maybe having to dig your way up it, you know, like dig steps into it. I'm not sure. Um, definitely digging out flat spot for a tent, uh, depending on how crusty the snow is, you might not just be able to stamp it down. Uh, so I got throwing in some climbing ropes and some carabiners and stuff like that. If you get in a really bad spot, you know, the, the Frank church is known to be very cliffy and, and stuff like that. So I could see, you know, potentially coming down something or even climbing up and because of the snow or forced to like do something that like, I don't want to be completely unsupported without a rope, um, that, uh, definitely throwing extra fuel canisters in there. Um, if we get into a spot where hundred percent relying on melting snow for water, uh, we'll have that, that, you know, I've, I've asked everyone to bring extra fuel canisters, but this is like a, you know, last ditch emergency, like, okay, we've got two canisters left. Let's divide this up between the group and, you know, we can stay somewhat hydrated. Um, definitely some extra food just in case that, you know, you're just going to be burning some massive calories. So we'll throw in some extra freeze dried meals or something like that. Um, try to think I've got a few other little things on the list, first aids type stuff, things like that. So, yeah, cool. Well, yeah, that'll be good. And listeners will, uh, We'll have more to come, some stories to tell, definitely some lessons learned, and probably some don't do this <laughs> type, <laughs> type advice uh, yeah, uh. to come. <laughs> um, speaking of don't do this, uh, unintentional perfect segue here, we had some follow-up to our Monday Minute from last week, and you and I, Steve, were talking about skull care, and both of us clearly admitted we're not taxidermists and we're nothing more than hunters who really don't care about trophies that much either. Uh, so we're not the best guys to speak to that. And we, we definitely had some feedback, uh, from one taxidermist in particular who wrote in to let us know that my advice on letting the skull drought is not a good idea. Um, and again, I'm purely doing that from, I like letting it dry out over the course of a few days if you're still in camp, because it just becomes easier and easier to get flesh and things off of it. Um, his advice against that was perfect uh was that it just as things dry out that's when it really starts to yellow for the skull so if you're doing a euro and you want that like perfectly white um results drying it out is not good so he would say Hmm. 
in an ideal world, uh, and I'm reading now, an ideal world, you will not skin the head out and just get it to your local taxidermist within a few days. However, as a backcountry hunter, I know it's never an ideal world. If you have to skin the head out to save weight, I wouldn't recommend hanging it in a tree to dry out. Find a creek, river, lake, or any water source and let the skull actually soak. And then he said the first thing he does when he gets skulls in that are dried out is actually to soak them in water for five to seven days. So um, good to know. I did not know that. So good to know. I would not have thought about that. My immediate concern would be if you've got this beautiful mule deer rack or it's covered in velvet or whatever, just animals getting to it and chewing on it if it's just in a creek, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, that's interesting. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. And he flat out said too, like, Again, not that the backcountry is always ideal, but maybe just don't even skin it out, even if you're just yeah. doing a euro, right? So all kinds of variables, but yeah, good to know on that one. Um, Steve, here's one for you. Uh, this guy wrote in and said he wants to do a doll sheep hunt with a good friend. Uh, that sounds like a familiar story. <laughs> he said their preference is two to one with an opportunity to save money so that both hunters can share a guide, essentially. But he's saying that he's running into many outfitters and guides that are recommending that they don't do that. Basically saying that one of the two will either end up being, will be disappointed that they either don't get a ram or they end up shooting the quote unquote lesser ram of the two. Mm-hmm. So then he he wrote in and said, what is Steve's opinion having gone on a two on one sheep hunt? And then he concluded by saying, neither my friend or I are super concerned about inches and more in it for the experience and opportunity. Um, yeah, I think one thing that would help is being, um, not to be, you know, sound, sound cliche here, but being in peak mountain physical fitness, right? Like the, these guys, you know, a little bit I learned, I mean, they definitely get, um, clients that can't move, uh, that much, right. That, that and so opportunity is very limited. Uh, they're going to hike into a basin. And what, I mean, the one thing I learned, uh, and we were in the Alaska range last year and they had a really bad die off. So the mature sheep were, were few and far between, but legal full curl rams are not on every freaking mountain slope, right? Um, you're going to have to look at a lot of rams before you find one that's legal. And so you're just, you're definitely stacking the odds against you. Can you've got two hunters who are very physically capable um, can cover a lot of miles in the back country, have experienced backpacking. And then you get a guide who's also, um, you know, able to hike that much, right. Uh, and really cover country to find two legal Rams, then, then you could absolutely do it and absolutely be successful. But if, if, if the guy who wrote in, you know, him and his buddy aren't like really dialed on physical fitness, it's quite possible the guide isn't up to it as well. You know, sometimes there's, they're going to be like, you know, there can be some older guides that are freaking tough as nails, but not able to hike 30 miles a day. Um, so you're going to need to find that right combination. I, w- I would just keep, keep reaching out and, um, and see, uh, see who else you can get to kind of commit to them. And, and I think, you know, I, I honestly, um, what I would do, I, I would hunt it two years in a row. Like, I mean, obviously it's crazy fortunate Tyler and I got to do this twice now. Um, but I would pick, you know, you, between him and his buddy, flip a coin, 
uh, and go up there and just hunt um, one of, you know, whoever draw, whoever gets heads up freaking hunts this year. And the other guy just tags along. Cause I think for, you can tag along for, I don't know, 500 bucks a day, typically something like that. Um, and, uh, and that way you can, no pressures on, he's just there to help his buddy. You guys enjoy the experience. Um, and then, uh, uh, and then if you do tag out, then awesome. And you pack it out together. And then the next year you go back for the other guy or yeah, maybe you could find like, a um, I don't know, as I was saying that out loud, maybe there's an outfitter who would let you, um, like basically tag along. And then if you do tag out on day one or day two, then go in and, and, uh, I guess you'd have to have the sheep tag present with you. You wouldn't be yeah. able to. Some of them can sell them out in the, out in the field. I have to, I'll have to ask some questions on that and we'll get back to it on the next Monday minute. Some outfitters are able to sell tags in the field. So I think if you already had your hunting license, you could potentially buy the tag from them at like base camp or something like that. Uh, I could be completely wrong there though. Um, I'll have to, yeah. I'll have to double check on that. Yeah. But that, maybe that, that, that in my head, that was an option. Like, all right, you guys do this. You're just tagging along, but if you kill a sheep right away on the trip and you still got seven days left on it, then, then the other guy is like, is perfectly able to shoot his buddy's weapon. Um, and then they just pass it over and keep hunting. That's maybe an option. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in my head, it's like you hear of sheep hunts all the time, having a solid week or 10 days to hunt. And that's because it just can be tough. Like, yes, there's been plenty of sheep hunts where they tag out on day one. Right. right. Yep. Um, they have the rams spotted, identified the guy that's done a lot of work, blah, 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 blah. But Sometimes even for just that solo hunt, like it takes days and days and days. And obviously Alaska being Alaska, you can lose many days to weather. So it definitely is, you know, it's, it's definitely asking a lot, not yeah. possible, but there's just so much that can get in the way of filling two tags or even in your experience, Steve, just honestly finding two legal ramps period. Yeah. I, yeah. Between weather, finding rams, you know, delays, uh, if you need to take a day off physically, you're just exhausted. You know, you, you just start losing hunting days fast. Um, so it's yeah, totally possible if you're in an area with a lot of Rams and legal Rams, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I love that. He said he's about the experience though, right? Like that's, I mean, yeah. that's what we talk about all the time. And so, yeah, like, uh, cause you could, you know, that the crappy thing is you could go with a guide who's kind of just a freaking ass. Uh, and not that fun to be around like it's kind of you know totally possible um and so you know if you, at least with your buddy you know the two you're gonna have fun together um <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good way to look at it too right like yeah. <laughs> and i know i'm getting it with this guy and we'll make the best of it and that's yeah. i mean that's a valid point that we didn't talk as obviously implied here it's like this guy says they're friends and they're going into it together but like we don't know what type of experience they've had as friends as on hunts or in the back country or what have you. So then, you know, we hear it all the time. Like guys will go on their first elk hunt or go do something. It's like, yeah, we were best friends in day-to-day -day life at home, but we realized we can't hunt together or share a tent together for a week, or we had very different goals or ideas or what have you. So to me, that's especially with a sheep hunt. It's like, what have you, what have you done together? And yes, you have two guys who are both saying that, they're there for each other and are both selfless in some ways, but almost in a way it's like, how has that been proven yet? Like, have you seen yeah. that in your friend and have you been that for your friend yet? Um, you know, before you take a massive hunt, like a sheep hunt, I would, I would want that experience. 
Another thing I'd say to why he may be reluctant, I thought about as you're reading the question, is a lot of these guys, they want to keep their success rates high. They want to be, you know, 60, 70, 80% successful on hunts. And so if they bring, they get in a scenario where they bring two hunters in and it bumps down their success rate, um, you know, that's not, that doesn't look good for them for marketing and bringing future hunters on. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's a super Which goes point. back to that. Maybe they could come tag along as a non-hunter and then go hunt after. You know, once they kill something, then be a hunter. Maybe, you know, maybe. Cool. Let's um, let's wrap up with this one. This honestly could be a, I think, a fun topic to chat in depth about. We don't have a ton of time today, but I want to throw the idea out there. Number one, just to get your first thoughts, Steve. And number two, uh, maybe just throw it out there for listeners to send us some notes or their experience on. But basically, had a guy reach out who this spring, um, so here anytime in the coming weeks or maybe the next couple months, they're going on a bear hunt. And they're hunting in an area where they want to hunt elk in the future. And it may be two or three years based on tag acquisition in that area. Um, They're newer to hunting elk in general as well. But they're basically just asking, like, what can they learn on spring bear hunts in the next couple of years, including this year, that they could use as knowledge or apply to future elk hunts, which I thought was an interesting question. I would be the first thing I would just hunt. And while I was hunting, um, I guess I would kind of scout it like I was uh, scouting for elk hunting looking for benches and water and, you know, feed and stuff like that. Open hillsides to feed on, which isn't going to be too different than what bears are looking for. The The one thing I'd say is most of the good spots that, that I've hunted for spring bear are not necessarily the sp- same hillsides it's going to be a little bit like lower in elevation um the the you know the the bears will come out and drop down in elevation to find the green open hillsides so you may not be not that it can't exist but you're probably typically going to be like bear hunting is a little bit lower elevation at least here in idaho um where the the, where i'd be hunting elk is going to be you know two thousand feet above that um but while i was hunting bears i'd be uh learning the country every Every time you come across um, a spring, water would be tricky because there's a very good chance a creek is flowing now that wouldn't be flowing come September or October. Um, but I'd mark springs, I'd mark campsites, and then I'd really just be looking for rubs. To me, that's going to be the biggest indication that there are bull elk in there in the rut, right? Like they're going to start rubbing late August uh, all the way through September. And so that's you know going to be a very good indication. If you're not seeing... You know, you get into kind of some thick north-facing slopes, um, uh, just kind of air, like bedding-looking areas, and you're not seeing rubs just all over the place on trees. To me, um, yeah, I guess I'm thinking out loud if I'd hate for these guys to like spend three years. You know, they're see they see elk tracks everywhere and they see elk poop everywhere, um, but that means they probably just lived in there in the spring, right? Uh, if if they're also seeing bears. Um, Again, I'm just going back to these all these spots in my head right now where I hunt bears. It's like, yeah, the, the elk winter in there, and there's elk sign everywhere. But I know if I was to go back September 15th, um, it would not be the core area the elk are living in. Um, so if they spend you know two three years learning the spot, thinking, oh, there's elk sign everywhere, and then come back, you know, finally come back in three years, and just it's a freaking ghost town. So yeah, um, yeah, I'd be looking for rubs. I'd be learning the country, um, and if you don't see rubs. Um, 
find a new spot. I just, I don't know what, like, that'd be the biggest indicator to me <laughs> yeah. that, they're, that they're there, right? Um, yeah. 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 And just don't over, like, it's super easy to get caught up in the, like, the on the ground sign of animals too, but don't overlook the value of just spending time in the country from a high level in terms of logistics, right? Yeah. So right. access and being able to plan like, okay, here's a good plan A, plan B, plan C, or here's this little cool access point we found, or this road's a no-go, like all those variables that surround the hunt like you're going to learn a lot there that's valuable to the future hunts as well it's just so it's just tricky i mean i guess if they were yeah just everywhere i bear hunt i mean the the places i'm elk hunting are still under you know four to ten feet of snow come like may uh Mm. late may uh and so just the the places that i bear hunt just typically aren't elk spots Um, Mm. but yeah like you said every year if if you're finding it, I would find different ways to access the country. Um, problem is, like, like I said, if you want like some road that comes around over the backside, but you're not going like, to get yeah. up there because it's covered in snow. So it's going to be tough. I mean, it's not, I like the idea and what they're doing. Um, I, I think a better idea is say it's a controlled elk unit, but it's open for deer. Go back there and hunt deer in October. Um, that'd be a way better idea than trying to hunt spring bear. Um, do both. Do it all. Do it all. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah for yeah. sure. Do it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm guessing if these guys are like, you know, tra- like they're like you and they're in Missouri and they're traveling out for, yeah, you know, just this limited time, time be, yeah, their limited time, then they'd be better off deer hunting there uh, in the fall and seeing what hunting pressure looks like, seeing where the animals are versus trying to do it in the spring. But spring bear hunting is a lot of fun. Heck yeah. Well, listeners, if you have any uh, firsthand experience on that one or any other questions for us for future episodes, you can just send us a quick email to podcast at exomountgear.com. Uh, don't forget, we'll, we won't be here next week, but we will return shortly after with some uh, stories to tell for sure. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Truly appreciate the support, the feedback, and all the interaction. So we'll talk to you guys soon.